You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to First Bite, our Pride of Detroit preview podcast. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the managing editor over at Pride of Detroit. I'm your co-host for First Bite. We've got a big show for you this week, previewing Lions-Falcons week seven. A big game, maybe? Question mark? We'll see. Um, But we'll get to all that in a second. Let me introduce my co-host, Kitty Corner, to me if you're watching live. Ryan Matthews is here at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan, how are we doing tonight? Well, howdy duty, everybody. <laughs> are you are you feeling amped for this matchup, Ryan? Um, I think the excitement scale is tipped a little bit more than it was against Jacksonville. Sure. But that's that's what a false sense of optimism will do to you as a Detroit Lions fan. And what I mean, what other kind of optimism is there ever in, in Detroit Lions fandom. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I shouldn't have added like a like a, a value or a determiner to that. Yeah. <laughs> and to help us give a preview of the Atlanta Falcons, the Lions Week 7 opponent, we have Gina Thomas here, who is the associate director the, of the NFL team brands over at SB Nation. She's also an editor over at the Falcoholic. Gina, at Gina Thomas on Twitter. Gina, thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I love talking about how bad the Falcons are. <laughs> well, good, because we're going to have you for the next 30 minutes. And we'd love to have you boost Lions fans' confidence a little bit if possible. Um, but I want to check in with you first, because it hasn't been a great couple weeks for you. I know you're a big Atlanta sports fan. We all know what just happened to the Braves. Mm-hmm. We know the Falcons have gone through oh. a lot. Yep. Even the Monday Night Football game was 28-3 to at one point, and I'm sure you heard plenty of it. They brought it up like 83 <laughs> times on 28 times, three times on the broadcast. So, <laughs> uh, so I just wanted to check in. My first question for you is just, are you OK? <laughs> yes. I mean, looking at the fact that, you know, there's a lot going on in the country right now. It's, you know, very unusual time in American history. And uh, it does make those losses, no matter how painful it is, especially that NLCS loss, you know, being so close to the series, blowing a three and one lead. Um, it, do, it does put that stuff in perspective. So it's hard to stay too upset when, you know, there's a pandemic and whatnot. <laughs> so. that's, that's a good attitude to take, I think, <laughs> because I think I think more uh, spiteful people would be like, well, this is what this was supposed to be my escape from all of this. And now this is painful, too. Yeah, I figure everybody's having a rough time. You know, there's only so much sports happiness to go around. And I'm realistic about the fact that it's rarely going to fall to Atlanta fans. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we definitely feel you over there in Detroit. Yeah, for sure. And and speaking of which, let's talk about more pain and and agony Um, and specifically your football team. What has gone wrong so far in 2020 for the Atlanta Falcons? 
I think that it's a combination of things, but I also think that if the Falcons win last week against the Vikings, which um, you're welcome, by the way, sure. NFC North, <laughs> um, if, if that win is any indication, I think that it just shows that they should have parted ways with Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov at the end of last season. I really think that they waited too long. Um, years and years ago, a former offensive line coach who coached for the Eagles and the Falcons and a few other teams he it was a year that the Falcons offensive line was bad, which could be like literally any year since <laughs> I pretty much since 2005. They've generally been not great. Um, but he told me that these guys are going to hear the same instruction from coaches, no matter who the coach is. But sometimes they just need to hear it in a different voice. And I think that that's what we saw on Sunday against the Vikings. I think we saw the result of them hearing that instruction from a different voice. And so um, that was at least encouraging. You know, then you've got the tanking, the pro tanking contingent. And so, you know, basically Falcons fans are determined to never be happy no matter what the team does. So that's kind of where things stand right now. <laughs> We're hearing a lot of the same things. <laughs> as I'm sure it doesn't come as a surprise to you, especially with all the, the blown leads and, and things like that, that, that our teams share. Um, but mm-hmm. if it, can, can we talk about maybe the, the specifics of, of what's gone wrong? I mean, you look at this Falcons team, they have some incredibly talented players on offense, especially in those skill position um, places. And then on defense, they have a couple superstars, too. So so what what part failed in the first five games of the season? Well, you know, I think that over the first five games of the season, they were just playing very undisciplined football. And again, I think that that was a byproduct of, you know, the coach kind of having lost their attention. Um, And so I think that that's the biggest issue. It was just a much cleaner and more aggressive game on defense this past week. Um, They have had a lot of injuries, especially in the secondary. You know, they've been missing both safeties at different times. Um, They've had backups in like A.J. Terrell, the rookie who looks like a legitimate rookie of the year candidate after last week's game. You know, he was he missed some time early on. Um, So that certainly didn't help. Tack McKinley has been dealing with a groin injury. The Falcons can't draft pass rushers to save their life. So he's like basically the entire pass rush. Dante Feller Jr. has not lived up to expectations. So it's just kind of a, a perfect storm of errors on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, you know, still they've, I mean, they've been dealing with Julio Jones injuries. He was out for a couple of weeks with a hamstring. I think he still wasn't hundred percent last week, though. He certainly looked much closer to it. Um, and then, you know, Matt Ryan is very good most of the time he had a couple of rough games and of course the whole fan base starts demanding that he be traded uh, immediately but I'm really excited about their receiving core because Calvin Ridley is a number two receiver who could be the top receiver on the depth chart on some other teams in this league and then Russell Gage has kind of come out of nowhere and just has been really reliable as that third guy so um sorry my my puppy is snoring <laughs> oh good <laughs> she's She's tired of hearing about the Falcons. Um, <laughs> yeah, they just—they really weren't able to put it all together on offense. And I think the biggest issue on offense has been that they brought back Dirk Cutter. And I don't know, like, if you saw Dirk Cutter's very vanilla offense the whole time that he was your coordinator before maybe don't expect different results when you bring him back. So that's been, I think, a big part of the issue, too. Cutter, of course, retained his job. But the offense also looked a little bit less, you know, well, on <laughs> Sunday. So that helped too. <laughs> it, it, it seems like 
the lions and the falcons are literally the spider-man pointing at each other meme because everything you just said a lack of a pass rush um the the analogous thing with dante fowler i think that can be even said about like deshaun hand for the detroit lions julio jones was dealing with a hamstring injury so was kenny galladay at the beginning of the season you're talking about your franchise quarterback who's taking you to a Super Bowl. I mean, that's more than can be said for Matthew Stafford in his career. But as soon as the Lions started playing bad, it seemed like everybody was ready to ship Matthew Stafford out of town. And 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 they were the big like tank for Trevor and and move on and, and let's see where we can go that season. But let's specifically talk about Matt Ryan, because if his future is in doubt, where does this team go from there? If they I mean, they won a game last week, so they might play themselves out of the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. Is Matt Ryan a guy that is going to stick around in Atlanta or could he be somebody that still maybe gets dealt regardless of whether or not the Falcons get the number one pick? So I think that there are two possible outcomes. Um, The first one, I think, is that they ask Ryan to renegotiate his contract this offseason and then try to move him. And I could see him going someplace like San Francisco, where it doesn't look like um, Jimmy Garoppolo, no matter how handsome he is, doesn't look like he's going to pan out as the starter there. Reunite with Kyle Shanahan, too, right? Yeah, exactly. I could I could really see Kyle uh, wanting to reunite with Matt. The other option is that they, you know, fall out of the top three or whatever, um, because they, this team does love to just like get you all excited about your draft position. And they're like, yeah, we're just going to win some random games here at the end. Just mess it all up. So that's fully what I expect again this year. Um, and so I think that they could target a guy like later in the first round or even in the second round and have him develop on the bench behind Matt Ryan for a year. Um, I think that his dead cap, Ryan's dead cap next year is much more manageable if they do decide to move on from him. So I think that those are the keys there. Um, It is kind of interesting because like Matt Ryan and uh, Joe Flacco kind of shifted the way that the league thinks about rookie quarterbacks. But I really would have no issue with the team retaining Matt Ryan, who's been much like Matt Stafford, just a wonderful face of the organization, a quarterback that you can be proud of at all times um, and really has been exceptional overall in his career. And so I would be more than happy to have him stay and have a rookie be able to learn behind him for at least a season. I think that there's real value in that, even though teams have moved dramatically away from it. It's it's fascinating just like hearing all of this and, and relating it to the lines because it is so close. And then and then you think like, no wonder these guys are like best friends. Like they, they have so many of the same issues that they're going through. And obviously Stafford's uh, got a home over there in Georgia, which turned out to be like a mile from each other when they when they met each other at the uh, at the Pro Bowl. And I think it was 2015 or 2014. Um, so it's kind of mm-hmm. fascinating. And then you also brought up a point that I totally forgot until I was doing some research today. The Falcons also started one in seven last year. Is that correct? So mm-hmm. so then my next question yeah, they sure is, is there any chance that that they have? I mean, I know that they turned out to be seven and nine, so it's not exactly like they, they turned around their fortunes completely. But do you have any hope that maybe they do kind of turn things around and maybe not compete for a playoff spot, but like hit near that 500 mark towards the end of the season? And do you want that to happen? Because I know I know there's a contingent of fan bases here that's like tank draft pick or I just want to see my team win because that's why I'm watching. I always prefer to see them win. Um, I just don't have it in me to tank. I'm too competitive. And so I would much rather see them win. I know that a lot of Falcons fans disagree with me. That's fine. There's no one right way to be a fan of your team. There's no right perspective here. It's just, you know. But um, yeah, I would definitely rather watch them win. That would be my preference. 
So it is possible. I mean, and if you're looking at the NFC South this year, you know, Breeze looks like he's kind of washed, um, which I'm not sorry about, by the way. Um, <laughs> Brady has been, he was really good this past week, but he's been kind of up and down. I think, you know, it's a big adjustment suddenly into a new team. And then Carolina is just kind of all over the place as usual. Yep. And so I don't know, like it's the Falcons could. I don't even want to say it out loud because they won't. They'll probably finish seven and nine and just irritate me yet again. <laughs> That's their MO. <laughs> again, same Z's. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> but speaking of their MO, I think the Falcons have for quite some time. Um, I mean, they've, they've, they've experienced some success on defense, but like this year, the story has been that the Falcons are just abysmal on defense. They have you know really struggled to stop other teams passing attacks and eventually you know they get rid of dan quinn and they promote raheem morris to head coach and he is the defensive coordinator so was there apprehension when that interim move was made did it seem like it was just something that was waiting to happen and before you get into anything like there are just not enough black coaches in the nfl so it's like it's awesome to see somebody like raheem morris like get an opportunity who's who's been around the league long enough and, and spent enough time in the league finally get a chance to you know take things over at the helm yeah absolutely you know i i like dan quinn a lot i knew him pretty well we we I used to go to um, sorry, now my other dog is ringing the door to go or the, ringing the bell to go outside. So, um, but yeah, so we used to talk every Wednesday when I was at the facility and we would talk about like my career and developing as a leader and things like that. And so I really like Dan Quinn a whole lot. I really like Raheem too. And I think that one of the things that Dan Quinn was lacking as a head coach was that experience of having to be kind of a big picture person and keeping up with every aspect of the complete team. Raheem Morris has head coaching experience. Was it successful head coaching experience? Not particularly, but I really think that just having the experience gives him an advantage. And then also they moved the linebacker, the linebackers coach, Jeff Ulbrich into the defensive coordinator role, which I'm really excited about because I have, he's been the linebackers coach for, I think, three or four years now. And he's just really, really good. He's a great coach. He's very smart. And I'm excited to see what he can do in that role, because I think that it's something he deserves consideration as a defensive coordinator. So yeah, I think that they're good moves. I mean, I was hoping that they would not make Dirk Cutter interim head coach and they did not. So I really couldn't be upset with whatever direction they went aside from that. All right, before we head off to our first break, let's talk injury report. Uh, The first one of the week dropped this Wednesday. Um, really only two big names, I would say, on the, on the Falcons injury report. Tackers McKinley was out with a groin injury, and then Julio Jones also did not practice with the hamstring injury. Um, obviously, I'm not going to ask you to tell the future here, Jana, but is there anything you can tell us about maybe how they've been treating Julio Jones's injury? Is this just kind of like you think a, a rest day to make sure he doesn't re-aggravate anything, or, is this, or should there be a concern that he might not play this week? So this year it has been a little bit different because he actually did miss two games with this. You know, a lot of times over the, I mean, for as long as I've been covering this team and Julio has been in the league, they've usually given him Wednesdays off. So like, this is not a surprise. This feels more like rest. I would recommend whether you're just curious about a status for Sunday or you have them in your fantasy lineup, I would recommend keep always keeping an eye on that Friday injury report, because if he's at least limited on Friday, he's going to play. If he if he doesn't participate through the week, there's no way that he's going to play. 
So I think that that's their big tell. But he certainly looked good last week, so hopefully he'll be able to. What about Tackers McKinley? Is is he? I know he missed last week, and I know he's been dealing with his groin injury pretty much since the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. So, so what do you think his chances are this week? It's just such a difficult injury for a guy his size. Yeah. Um, it's so so difficult to rehab, and you know, I just I don't feel really good about him playing this week. If he is able to play, he's not going to be at a hundred percent, and that's pretty much the worst case scenario for the Falcons' pass rush because he is like ninety nine percent of it. That was going to be my next follow-up question. How big is that to their pass rush? And yeah, I know you guys got Grady Jarrett, and we're going to get into him in a little bit, but is there anyone else that the Lions should be worried about? Um, Yeah, Grady Jarrett is definitely one. Um, And then Foye Olokun, he is a linebacker out of Yale, and he also is able to rush the passer. They'll sometimes put a safety, you know, do a a safety blitz or a corner blitz. You know, they, they... creative with it and a part of that is because they just don't have that many defensive linemen who can actually bring pressure on opposing quarterbacks so you know i think that they'll probably try to move things around you, you've got to work to get a veteran like stafford off his spot and so i think that they'll probably pull out all the stops to try to get pressure on him and gain that advantage um whether it will work with the talent they have we will see <laughs> all right I, I'm not very optimistic about this. <laughs> we, you know, I, I've joked about it this in the past. It, it, the Lions are facing a bunch of bad teams in a row here. Obviously, you just played Jacksonville. You got Washington and Minnesota, and I don't know, there are a couple other ones in there. It, it feels like a, like a, I don't know, like a a tour of sadness. Let's say mm-hmm. so. <laughs> welcome to our tour of sadness. We hope you you stay and. Uh, and maybe lose. No offense, uh, but we're we're gonna get into <laughs> we're gonna get into the matchups about what we think will happen between uh, these two teams, these the players on each team, who has the advantage, where. When we come back on first bite, our Detroit Lions preview podcast. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. And we are back with First Bite, our preview podcast. We're previewing Lions vs. Falcons Week 7 with Gianna Thomas, an editor over at The Falcoholic and also the associate director of the NFL team brands over at SB Nation. Gianna, let's talk some matchups here. Let's talk about some premier players versus some premier players. And I feel like we have to start with a guy I teased at at the top, Grady Jarrett, 
going against yeah. Frank Rag now the Lions center. Hopefully, Lions center uh, also dealing with a groin injury did not practice on Wednesday, but that kind of feels precautious as well. Mm-hmm. Ragnow is the number two center by PFF grade. Grady Jarrett is top 10 in both pass rush win rate and run stop win rate. Who wins this, Janet? This is like, I, I, I'm the kind of guy that gets excited about defensive lineups, especially in the interior. I don't know if a lot of other people do, but I'm excited about this one. So, so tell me your kind of viewpoint on this matchup. Yeah, I mean, Grady is one of the few Falcons players that I just am always confident in. It doesn't really matter who he goes up against. He is relentless when he's rushing. He is so disruptive. And he's got enough moves in his arsenal that he can wear somebody down and take advantage of them. So I don't think that it's going to be easy sledding for him this week. I think that it'll be one of the tougher opponents that he faces. But I do think that, I think that, you know, I think that he'll probably, you know, have his fair he'll make his fair share of plays he'll get his fair share of pressure yeah he's just kind of one of those guys where you're not you're not going to win every rep there's no chance of you winning every rep your your hope is just to kind of contain him and I mean that's that's generally what an offensive lineman's job is but definitely a big task uh this week Ryan do you do you like Frank Ragnow's chances I mean the, the, the groin injury is also obviously a big factor I think we saw in the Jacksonville game he was he was really kind of laboring towards the end of it so um what, what are your thoughts on that matchup Ryan yeah, I'm glad that they're giving you know Frank some rest at the beginning of the week. Like you said, hopefully it's all uh, precautionary. Hopefully it's just uh, you know some maintenance time for him. But he is really the centerpiece, no pun intended, of that offensive line. I think he's maybe even the most important piece. Even put it past Taylor Decker, um, and especially this week. I think this is one of the weeks where you see how valuable those uh, interior defensive linemen are. I think that you can put Grady Jarrett up there with the um, you can put him up there with the Aaron Donalds of the world. You can put him up there with, you know, some of the other big name pass rushers, whether or not it's, uh, I'm, I'm totally blanking on the guy who went from San Francisco to Indy. Help me, help me, help me. Um, chat will know. Chat will know and chat will back <laughs> me up. But anyways, um, Eric, Eric Armstead. There you go. Eric, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but a a lot of interior defensive linemen are so valuable. Uh, Chris Jones, even from Kansas city, Grady Jarrett, I think belongs in that discussion with, with any of those guys. So, um, it's going to be no pun intended again, a heavyweight matchup on Sunday. (laughs) You're full of them right now. You got another one. All right. I'm going to go right back to you then with this one, just to see if you can make it a trifecta because I know you like trifectas. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I I think the other matchup that we have to talk about, at least at the top here, is Julio Jones versus whoever. You know, the Lions are obviously a little beat up in the secondary still. Justin Coleman doesn't look like he's coming off IR uh, at any point soon. Doesn't look like Desmond Trufant's necessarily going to get a shot at his former team either, unfortunately. Still dealing with his own hammy injury. Ryan, what happens here? Is is there any shot that, that... Amani Oruarie and, and Jeff Okuda can can do something here to to slow down. I mean, not not even just Julio Jones, everyone in that wide receiving core. Yeah, I think that if any Lions defensive back has an opportunity to clip that Falcons wings, <laughs> okay, it would, okay. You're, it would, you're pushing it now. <laughs> it would it would it would have to be Amani Oruarie though, right? I mean, with with the way that Jeff Okuda has looked against the top tier echelon of receivers, whether or not it was, um, you know, Devonte Adams or, you know, whomever it was, DeAndre Hopkins, Jeff Okuda has just kind of looked like a rookie. And I don't think you want a guy who looks like a rookie going against 
when he's healthy, I think Julio Jones still has that claim stake that he's the best wide receiver in football. I don't know if that there's anywhere, anyone else in the NFL who can take the top off the defense like him. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there's anybody who can, who can do the things he do. Um, that that's, that's just Julio's game. And you, you hope, you hope again, like it, it's kind of like a similar situation with Frank Ragnar versus Grady Jarrett, right? Like you hope that you can limit the damage that Julio Jones does against you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as an Ohio State fan, I would love for Okuda to be great. But I really think that rookies in general are at a disadvantage this year because the offseason was so weird. It is such a learning curve at corner um, coming from college into the NFL, even out of a big school. And actually, Desmond Trufant is where I learned this. He was at um, he was on the quarter system, so he had to go back and finish. And he missed some of the offseason minicamps. And when he got there... You know, he was our first round pick and he was definitely a step slow. He used to cut in line and drill so that he could go up against Julio or Roddy White on every snap that he he played. And uh, that made him that got him up to speed pretty quickly. But I think this year with the um, with the lack of offseason programs because of the pandemic, I think that rookies are at a real disadvantage. Uh, And really, before we move forward, Chad is yelling at me. Ryan was talking about DeForest Buckner. Not Eric Armstead. Uh, okay. Eric Armstead <laughs> plays for. He still plays for the 49ers. Niners. Yeah, he still plays for them. Uh, I really like DeForest Buckner too. I'm an idiot, but Amani Arariye. Like, if I can throw a stat at you real quick, sure. uh, PFF threw at us this week that in terms of uh, coverage statistics, out of 95 qualifying cornerbacks, uh, Amani Arariye is 10th overall in passer rating allowed at 46.6, and he's tied for second in pass breakups with five. So maybe this is his coming out game. I mean, if, if you can, if you can have a coming out game, like this would be it against a top tier receiver like Julio Jones. And, and I think one thing, I mean, if we're just talking one-on-one matchups and man-on-man coverage, there's, there's no doubt that the Falcons have a huge advantage there. And I don't think anyone would argue there. The question is, what will the Lions do strategically? Because we saw in the last couple of weeks, they really dropped their man-to-man coverage to a lot of zone coverage. I think they were only at about 36 or 37% man-to-man last week. So my question to you, Jana, is, is is playing zone against this Falcons defense a good idea, or Falcons offense a good idea? Um, I really don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially with their receiving core and Hayden Hurst is a new addition this offseason. And he seems to be, you know, quickly developing that chemistry with Matt Ryan. Um, it just makes it really, really difficult. And you're going to I mean, if you're trying to contain Julio Jones, if you give him any space, he is going to make you pay for it. And so actually, and Calvin isn't that different. Um, and so, yeah, I just I just think that staying in man and staying right on them is probably the Lions best bet. Darn it. OK. <laughs> yeah. Dang it. Dang it. Um, well, let's flip things to something that Lions fans could potentially be optimistic about. And I think that the Falcons defense has really struggled, as as I mentioned in the first segment, uh, stopping opposing teams passing attacks. Um, the only time they were successful was when they got Mitch, Trubes- or Mitch Trubisky benched. So um, as fellow NFC North um, compatriots, we, we thank you for that, Atlanta Falcons. Um, well, but outside, we can't well, think of that much because I mean, they ended up like- losing that game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We can always be happy about Mitch Trubisky's downfall. That's I, I think that's safely assumed. Right. Um, but uh, as far as, as, like I said, opposing passing attacks, this, Seattle was the first week of the year, and 
they allowed 299 passing yards and it's only been worse since then. They've given up uh, 445 yards to the Cowboys, uh, 315 yards to the Packers, even 313 yards to uh, the, the Carolina Panthers when they were being led by my boy, Teddy Bridgewater. What is going on with the Falcons passing defense? And is this a week where you, you see things kind of being like a shootout? You know, it really has been, I think, the injuries in secondary and the lack of pass rush. And those two things obviously work together um, and exacerbate each other. So I think that it's just really a perfect storm of just things that Thomas Dimitrov and Dan Quinn said they were going to fix for years and never did. Um, And if if you're looking at the Falcons injury report this week, you know, like we've already talked about tech, but Kendall Sheffield is still on the um, the injury report with a foot injury that had him in a walking boot for a couple weeks earlier in the season. Um, and you know, they really are very thin in the secondary. They don't have a lot of depth, not quality depth. And so that's where I get concerned. Like if they have any injuries, it may be another Cowboys type of situation, especially against somebody like Matt Stafford and with a receiver like Galladay who can make defenders pay just, you know, on a good day for the defenders. So I'm, yeah, I think that that is probably going to be the linchpin of this game. And um, it's, I don't think that it's, that's in the Falcons favor at all. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like this is a question we ask ourselves every week is just like, well, are the Lions then going to accept that this is kind of going to be, this could be a shootout and and Mm -hmm. air it out because we know Matt Patricia doesn't prefer that. He'd prefer to run clock. He'd prefer to manage the game, manage the tempo he wants. So I guess my question to you, Gina, is, would that work against this Falcons defense? Are are they susceptible to to the run as well? Obviously, Grady Jarrett is is a big force in that. Um, but aside from him, could the Lions potentially just go in in terms of a, a slow pace game, trying to keep their defense off the field, trying to keep Matt Ryan off the field? Um, is that something that you've seen teams do against this this Falcons defense, or is it more just attack, attack, attack? No, I definitely have seen teams do this against the Falcons and Deion Jones, who is he had a great game last week, but that was his first good game of the season. And so I really think that their run defense probably hinges around if Deion's able to continue playing up to the level that he played last week. Uh, Foyle Olokun has been really solid against the run, too. He's he's probably been the Falcons best linebacker this year. Um, So if you know with those two there uh, in the linebacker core and then with Tack McKinley out, you know, that's another issue. Um, like you said, Grady is great against the run. Deidre Sanat is another guy who he's on the interim report and was out today just for rest. I don't know what's going on there, but he's a guy who can be helpful against the run. But, you know, they have been susceptible to pretty much every form of offensive attack this year and also their own lack of knowledge about recovering on sidekicks so it's just been a mess uh, i wasn't gonna bring it up i wasn't gonna bring it up the entire show i wouldn't do that to yeah. you yeah well you got me thinking about the dallas game and i mean they did you know i mean they just moved that ball against the defense at will the fact that the falcons had such a significant lead and then lost the way that they did was very, very Atlanta. But um, yeah, so I think that this is actually a great matchup. I I co-host a fantasy football podcast too. And every week I tell people to start whoever's playing the Falcons, (laughs) like whichever quarterback. 
whichever receivers just do it. You know, the, the running back is a little bit more up in the air. Last week, they were actually really good against the run. But um, that was the first time that they were pretty consistent about it. Hmm. Again, another another idiosyncrasy with the Lions. They finally stopped the mm-hmm. run last week for the first time after just bleeding yards week by week. Ryan, you got one more question before we head to predictions? Uh, yeah, I, I guess this would be a good question that would lead into predictions. But who do you think is going to be the X factor for the Falcons this week? Who do you think is going to be the, the most important player, Gianna? You know... I think it might come down to Todd Gurley, who actually did have his best game last week. He was he was excellent last week. And I have to think that the Falcons are going to want to use him um, extensively and try to, you know, get a lead and then keep control of it. And so if they can get the run going, I feel much better about their ability to create plays through the passing game. Um, If if. The defense is able to key in on Julio, you know, double him and then, you know, take Calvin out of the equation. Then that turns into a very different situation. So obviously, like with any game, it would be ideal for them to get Gurley going. And I think that Gurley could be the difference between the second win of the Falcons season or the sixth loss. And can I follow up on that real quick? Like what 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 took so long for Gurley to get going? Do you think it was the lack of an offseason? Do you think it's just um, maybe the Falcons offense? You know, you talk about their offensive line not being so great in terms of maybe opening up running lanes for Gurley. What 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 was to, to, you know, explain for his slow start? Yeah, so I think that the primary factor is Dirk Cutter. You know, they would have second and long and he would run them up the middle every time. It didn't make any sense. And it would happen every time. And it's like, you know, if I'm sitting on my couch watching this, then other teams have, like teams have picked this up on tape. They know that it's coming. And so there's just no, this is why I don't know why they brought Dirk Cutter back. But aside from that, yes, blocking has also been an issue. And that's been an issue with the exception of 2016 um, pretty consistently. And then, you know, I think also Gurley just getting acclimated to a new team, the lack of offseason, all that kind of stuff. So I think that it's a perfect, I think that so many things about this Falcons team are a perfect storm of worst case scenarios. And I think that's what that one is too. Can can I ask a favor of you two? Can we just can we recreate the Spider Man meme right now? Yeah. <laughs> just like, <laughs> all right, cool. Because yeah, like literally everything right now is just like I, I might as well be talking to a mirror. It's crazy. <laughs> Running the ball on second and ten, right up the middle. Adrian Peterson for two yards to set up third and long, and then let's blame the quarterback for why everything is going wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> All right. Let's uh by the way, this is why you have to watch us live either on YouTube or on Twitch because you're missing out on a whole visual thing. But anyway, <laughs> let's let's get into the preview part. We like to call it the one thing we think we know where we make a prediction about the game. Again, doesn't always have to be a score prediction, but if you want to pick a winner, that's fine too. Let's go to our good friend Ryan Matthews first. Ryan, what do you got? Yeah, I just need to take my quick victory lap from last week because I did say that the Lions would score over 27 and a half points, which was the uh, Bovada line. And they ended up I I said that they were going to score 30 points for the first time all season long, and they ended up doing that. So pat on my back. Uh, Let's see if we can make it two and oh, even though I don't think Lions fans will be happy to hear this. Uh Oh, I think that Matthew Stafford throws for less than 300 yards, and I know everybody's excited about it. And I know I kind of even teased it with. You know, Russell Wilson being 
the only guy who hasn't done it yet this year and everybody else has, in, including the likes of Teddy Bridgewater. Um, and I'm really just throwing salt in the wind here, Gianna. So I'm sorry, but <laughs> Matthew Stafford will not throw for 300 yards because as Jeremy mentioned, I think that the lions are really going to try to establish the run game in Atlanta. I think they're on the road. I think they want to try to, um, you know, dictate the pace of the game. They don't want to get in a, I don't think they want to get in a shootout with Atlanta because if we're being honest, that scares me as a Lions fan, because for as many offensive weapons as you think the Lions have, have the Lions really been good in dagger time? Dagger time. Football. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. All right, Gina, let's throw it to you. What's the one thing you think you know about Lions versus Falcons? You know, I think that the Falcons are going to be riding high after last week's win. Um, I think that they're going to come into this game with a lot of, you know, energy and resolve. And I just don't think it's going to work out for them. So I'm picking against the Falcons yet again. I've picked against them every week this season. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so, yeah, I think that unfortunately for me and fortunately for y'all, I think that it's going to be a Lions win this week. All right. All right. I think Lions fans will be happy to hear that. Most of them, some of them won't, but uh, most of them, probably if you're listening to this, you're probably one that would like that. Yeah. Uh, um, shout, out to the, shout out to the tanking fans, though. True. They're people, too, I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, the one thing I think I know, I'm not going to go DeAndre Swift because I get to pat my back myself on the back for that one, too. That one finally turned out to be right. Uh, I'll finally change it up and I'll go with TJ Hawkinson. I think this might be a breakout game for him. And I was going to ask you, Gianna, and you know, might as well do it now. How have the Falcons done uh, defending tight ends so far this year? I mean, not just this year, but going back years and years and years and years, they cannot cover tight ends. Um, I had somebody last week ask me if, you know, they said that they had Irv Smith on their bench and, you know, how would he do? And then he came in and actually had a pretty good game against them. Falcons and he doesn't generally do anything (laughs) so if that gives you any indication they're not great and uh, so yeah Hawkinson should have some opportunities to make big plays perfect I'm gonna say he's gonna have his best game of the season 80 yards and a touchdown on the way to a Lions I'm not sure I haven't done my preview yet sorry Not going to say it yet. We'll see. We'll <laughs> see. All right. That's going to just about do it for First Bite, our preview podcast. But before we go, I wanted to give Gianna the, top, the, the opportunity to, to plug whatever she's got. What, what do Lions fans want to see? What, I mean, maybe I know maybe there's some Falcons fans watching as well. So what can we uh, where can we find you at? Where can we hear you? Where can we see you? All that stuff. Yeah, um, you can find my work from time to time at SB Nation or The Falcoholic. I don't have as much time to write anymore, but you can also find me co-hosting The Falcoholic podcast. I have a really good time um, on that one. And also Football Cheat Sheet, which is part of SB Nation's new lineup of um, NFL podcasts. We have a new show that drops every day of the week, and they are very varied. You know, lots of topics, lots of angles. Mine is fantasy, DFS, and gambling, um, things that I am generally very passionate about. So, yeah, it should be. Uh, it's, it's a good time, so so keep an eye out for that. What day of the week does that one drop? That one drops on Friday, usually around Perfect. noon. Perfect. So be Perfect. sure to look out that, and it's Gianna Thomas on Twitter. That's J-E-A-N-N-A-T-H-O-M-A-S, Correct. Yep, correct. All right. Well, that'll do it for First Bite this week. Good luck to the Falcons, but not too much luck. Good luck to the Lions. Good luck to all the Spider-Man pointers out there. We'll see you <laughs> next week. Have a good one. I forgot my... What's my... I don't remember my... It's chaos. 
Be kind. We'll see you next week. Just yell football. Just football. yell football. football. <laughs> <laughs>